Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. I'm talking with Catherine Britton, Senior Director of Operations and Marketing for Where Food Comes From, an independent third-party food verification company. Catherine joins me to talk about value-added programs and how beef cattle operations can qualify for them, leading to larger profit margins. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Very happy to be here. We've all heard about the explosion of natural, antibiotic-free, and European beef programs, but where would you say this effort turns into real profit for producers? Yeah, I think the key for producers is really identifying what does that market mean for them. You know, each of the markets, whether you're talking about antibiotic restrictions or or hormone restrictions, you know, the NHTC program for the EU, they're driven by something and they have parameters that come along with them. So generally speaking, if you're looking for value in those marketplaces, you need to look for a third-party verification system that can get you qualified to meet those program requirements without a certificate in hand, without an approval process that you've gone through to validate those claims. There really isn't a lot of value. So third-party verification and auditing systems are going to get you access to markets like that. So this all seems to really hinder on traceability. Where do producers start in their path towards this kind of transparency? Traceability is everything. We can't tell any story about beef production without first being able to track an animal through the system. That's where we gather and and get all of the information and data that we need to tell that story about how that animal was produced. The best place to start is small. You know, these systems don't need to be overwhelming for a beef producer. You, you start with your own records. Are you maintaining calving records? Do you know when your first calf hit the ground? Do you know when every calf hits the ground? You don't need to know it to that detail, but at least understanding when your calving season starts and when it ends and having those records available is your first step to success. The second, identifying the animals, putting a unique EID tag in that helps you electronically tie those records of caveat information to that individual animal so you can pass that along to the buyer. That's where you start having value opportunities tied to traceability. And where is this happening right now, this kind of system, and who, who can we mimic in a way? Well, if you look domestically, Source and Age is, is actually our longest standing verification system. When we lost access to our export market partners in 2003 with the the quote-unquote cow that stole Christmas with our BSE case, we couldn't export a single pound of meat. The only way we got back into that market was by developing a source and age system through the process verified programs that allowed third-party verifiers to validate the source, so traceability, and the age of those animals. The restriction was 20 months. That's related to animal disease, BSE. The younger the animal, the least likely they're going to they're gonna carry that disease. So we've actually been well-versed as a domestic industry in the source and age system for some time. When we look at our international trading partners and competitors, it's a little bit of a different landscape. You know, we're, we're the last country really left, developed country, to not have a national ID system. And that's something that our international competitors try to use against us when they're trying to get beef into the markets that we have beef into. But we've been able to combat that with these 
progressive producers that are participating in these third-party verification systems that are making claims on their animals and validating them to, to meet the requirements of those markets without at this point, having to do a national ID system. To say that we're the last doesn't seem like something that uh, Americans would like to hear. What challenges do producers face when they get started with verification? Why is this taking so long? Well, you know, the beef industry in the U.S. is diverse. It's very independent. Uh, I think our beef producers, that that's a point of pride for all of us as cattlemen and cattlewomen in the U.S. We also have to to have that model in some ways just because of how diverse our production system is. Every region is different. Um, Every breed type is different. You know, what you do to manage your cattle in Florida is a lot different than what you do to manage your cattle in Montana. So the reality for a producer to engage is to really take a step back and look at their operation. What are they having success with? What have they focused on? What kind of animal are they raising and why? And then what market opportunities are out there and available to them? Everyone can capitalize on a source and age model. It's the things above and beyond that, the NHTCs that you mentioned, a verified natural program, many of these other kind of value-added systems. That's when they really need to start looking is, is that the right fit for me and my operation. Where do you see producers invest the most when implementing value-added programs? Is it in time, money, updating technology? And when do you see the return for some of these? You know, I think the surprising part uh, is the investment from a time perspective can seem overwhelming. Thinking through the records they have to maintain or if they're using antibiotics, what animal that antibiotic went into, didn't go into. But What we see time and time again is that, for the most part, they're already doing all of those things. You know, in their operation, they're already tracking that. They're they're maintaining these records that are unbelievably detailed because that's what they use to manage their operation. So I think for face value, oftentimes it can be intimidating because they think they need to do so much more and there's going to be all of this time. But it ends up being, you know, not that much more than what they're already doing or just validating the pieces that they already have in place. You know, it's a, it is, there is a cost, right, to participating in third-party verification, but the programs are built to get value back. If, if you can't get value out of participating, then it's not working. So for us as a third-party verifier, you know, it's got to be able to pay for itself and more in order to, to work for you. So there is a cost, but I wouldn't say that the investment is overwhelming. China has recently opened up its beef market to U.S. producers. How do verification programs vary in value in a market like China compared to here in the U.S.? China has been big for the U.S. beef market. It's the biggest opportunity our beef industry has seen probably ever, just from a per capita you know, consumption of beef, the amount of people that are looking to consume beef in China, the growing a middle-class population that they bring to the table, that's the type of person that eats a lot of beef. And U.S. grain-fed, you know, high-quality beef is in very high demand in that, in that region. So just from a prospect and opportunity perspective, it's tremendous. When we're looking at the requirements of the program, the agreement that we have with China today 
is source and age at a base level. So the animal has to be traceable to the ranch of origin. An EID tag needs to be in that animal at the ranch of origin before it leaves. And age needs to be documented. That will carry with that that animal all the way through the supply chain. Inevitably, we're going to process that product and send it over. The one unique aspect to the Chinese market and our agreement with them is that they have a zero tolerance policy for hormones. So it is absolutely illegal in China to use hormones in beef production. They expect the same of the product that we send to them. So although it's not a written part of our EV agreement with them, it's an absolute understood requirement. And because of that, the industry has been very focused on the type of product that we're sending right now, uh, verified natural beef, NHTC at the least, just to make sure that we're not violating you know, that part of the understanding and that we can keep access to that market. Because as long as we can keep access to it, we have the opportunity to continue to grow it. It's my understanding that roughly only 3% of U.S. beef producers are hormone-free. Do you feel like this group are the early adopters of programs like this? Yeah, we tend to see the progressive cattlemen be the first to engage. And, and it's just the individual that's exploring new market opportunities. You know, for the most part, anymore today as in comparison to maybe 10 or 15 years ago, there isn't a huge amount of cow-calf producers implanting cattle. You know, we might see that happening once cattle are shipped off the ranch, received at different types of locations. There are some that are implanting, but the cow-calf producer is looking for a value add, right? They may not have the ability or or the desire, you know, to implant every single animal before they, they go off. So what what is the other market opportunity for them? Well, if they're not using hormones and they don't have hormones on site, then it's very easy for them to engage in a program like NHTC. It's similar when we look at antibiotics in the industry. If a producer is pairing the Verified Natural Program with the NHTC program, it just gives them marketability. On a year when they, when they do well, maybe they don't have a bad case of pink eye come through or whatever, they haven't doctored anything or doctored much, they can market those calves as Verified Natural. On a year where they've had something come through, they've had to doctor quite a few calves for whatever reason, then they can still market them as NHTC. So it's the flexibility that the programs give in those market avenues that add that value. And that's why we're starting to see more and more producers engage. How do you get this kind of information out to the producers? Is it through extension offices? Is it through what we're doing now? Um, You know, you talked earlier about how a lot of uh, producers are already doing a lot of this. They just don't realize how to implement it. So how do you get that information out there? That's a great question. Honestly, the market helps tell the story specifically the video sale. What's unique about the video sale platform that we see with Superior Livestock or Western Video or Northern is you have a public format in which cattle are selling. And the audience is very big in those platforms, which is great for a seller because they tend to have a very diverse buyer base that can bid on those cattle. And what happens is as you as you watch the sale progress, say in an hour or in a day, The program cattle consistently bring premiums above and beyond the the commodity cattle. And producers start asking questions. 
when, you know, when their neighbor is getting a price that they're not getting, you know, why is that? And they start exploring. So it's an educational opportunity always. You know, we try to do everything that we can, attending events, speaking. We're at every single cattleman show in the country. Um, we have reps in the field that are the ones that are boots on the ground at the ranches. But to be honest, watching cattle sell in a in a public forum like a video sale is the fastest way to get curiosity in why are these program cattle making a difference. Mm. Kansas State completed a study recently that looked at the return on investment for age and source verified cattle and saw that producers most of the time received a premium for their product, but sometimes the premium was less than the amount necessary for enrollment in the USDA process verified program. What's going on here, do you think? Honestly, I think it depends on how you run your numbers and and the amount of factors that you you carry over into evaluating that value. The, as we mentioned before, you know, the, the cattle industry is diverse and every set of cattle that sells is different. And so what, what we try to look at is take out all of the factors. What we want to see is like cattle, so say steers to steers, heifers to heifers, weight categories, and that's it. And then let's see what did the commodity cattle in that same sex and in that same weight category bring compared to what the program cattle in that same sex category and same weight category bring. And when you take out everything else, you're truly able to look at a commodity average versus a program average. And today we're seeing in 2018, we're seeing on the video sale an average of $6 a hundred weight value just for source and age. Now, does that mean every producer gets $6 a hundred weight premium? on their their calves that they're selling? No. But what we're able to see is an average trend of value across the entire herd in the U.S. when you take a look at value-added versus not value-added. And that's where you really start to tell a story. And is the end goal for source-verified cattle to have a QR code? Is that kind of the future for most producers? A QR code is an interesting tool that the industry can use primarily on finished product. Um, what's challenging when you think about the complexity of the supply chain is tying, say, an individual animal to an individual finished product. So typically what we see today are claims being made on package that are verified and validated back through an approved supply chain. But the QR code m that might show on a package would be tied to that operation or maybe a set of operations that are meeting the certain requirements that that system is asking them to meet in order to make those claims on pack. So what that means to me is I think the end goal is telling the story and having transparency in the story, whether that's through a QR code or a URL or a label on a package it's just being authentic in the way that we're producing animals today and trying to shine a light on the work that's being done on the ranch and and reconnecting all of us as consumers to you know what's happening day in and day out 
in beef production and how we're getting beef from the ranch to the consumer's table. It's really interesting to me that this story is becoming so important. Besides just being able to verify that there there aren't hormones within the meat product, but why would someone in China care about the story behind Kentucky beef cattle? It's unbelievable the enthusiasm that we see from consumers domestically and internationally when you start talking about these ranching families. And what's funny is the animal actually starts to be removed from the equation and the story becomes about the people. And I think if you look just throughout history and every industry that you can imagine in consumerism, you know, the things that resonate with people are the values that they can connect with. And that starts with the people. And when you start to take these barriers out and these questions and and really show that there's a face and a name and oftentimes a family behind the product that you're eating, it just becomes more comfortable. And, and that's really where we're seeing people get behind these kinds of stories. Catherine Britton is Senior Director of Operations and Marketing for Where Food Comes From. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture. future.